0: Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard, I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production advice website aimed at helping you get the best results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And with me this week is my co-host John Tidy from reaperblog.net. Uh, John, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks, Ian. Pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone.
0: And this week, we are returning to a topic that we have talked about many times on the show before, which is loudness normalization and Because we've talked about it many times before, we're not going to go into it in super detail in this episode. We will link you to other episodes that can get you up to speed on the details of the topic if you're interested in the show notes at themasteringshow.com. But John, I'm going to throw you in at the deep end and just ask you to, for anybody who's new to this topic, just a kind of two-minute summary of what it is and why it's important.
1: All right. So loudness normalization evens out the differences between... All the different music that is played on that particular platform a lot of people working in audio know about normalization where you're making everything normal everything the same and we don't want to do that with music playback in a way where the quiet songs become loud or the loud songs become quiet we want everything to be uh what we call like album mode where the relationship between the quiet songs and the loud songs stay the same, but just the overall playback level gets evened out from one artist to the next. Yeah. That's kind of the the quick answer and every platform does it a little bit differently. And we've talked in depth about those things, those differences in previous episodes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think, uh, you know, consistency is is the goal that the streaming services are going for. They don't want people to be blasted by super loud songs suddenly or for you suddenly not to be able to to hear something because that annoys users. And the reason it's interesting for us is that it has a really important impact on the way that you hear music when you're listening online. And we're going to kind of dig into that. The reason for this episode is because there is a big piece of news that I wrote about on the Meter Plugs blog back in March um, and is now kind of awareness is, is spreading around the industry, which is that Apple have switched to using the LUFS, the loudness unit method of measuring loudness, and possibly more importantly, they have enabled loudness normalization by default on all new devices and i believe installs of the software so if you buy an iphone today or one of the new macs apple music is going to have normalization enabled by default and that's a big deal Uh, it's huge and in my opinion musicians and engineers need to pay attention to that because Apple was the one major streaming platform that didn't already have this enabled by default. I mean, in fact, on YouTube, you can't switch it off. On Pandora, you can't switch it off. It's been on by default in Spotify. Um, It's been on by default in Tidal for some years now. But of course, Apple is a big player in the streaming industry. So when people would ask me, can you master my music super loud? And I would say, well, I can, but people may not hear it that way because the loud stuff is going to get turned down by the normalization, they would say, is that true everywhere? And I would have to say, well, almost everywhere, but not on Apple Music. Uh, And understandably, that was a big reservation for people. They were concerned that if loud music was still going to sound louder than everything else on Apple Music, and therefore people might think that it might sound a bit better, that was something that they wanted to be concerned with. But With this change, I mean, it is only on new devices. So if you already have an iPhone or a Mac and uh, Apple call their system of normalization sound check, if that was already disabled on your system, it's going to stay disabled. So it's going to take a while for the influence of this to spread over a large number of devices. But it is going to spread through the rest of the industry over time. And that means that we can reassure people that, normalization is going to be in play almost everywhere. Um in fact, I did a bit of research for Dynamic Range Day earlier this year to try and figure out what kind of proportion of the streaming sites out there are normalized and it's it's really hard to get accurate user numbers for all the different streaming services but the number I ended up with I'm really confident that between 80 and 90% of the music that you hear online is going to be normalized by default and most users don't turn it off lots of people i say this to them and they don't believe it because musicians and engineers who know about this and care about it the most are the most likely to turn it off so i'm I'm pretty sure if you ask a group of musicians or sound engineers maybe 75 percent of them would say oh yeah i i turn that off because i want to hear the music the way it was intended without anybody deciding how loud it should be for me, but the statistics from Spotify show that less than 17% of users overall actually make any change to the normalization settings in the app. You can you can change it by going into the preferences and then there are a few different loudness levels there you can choose between or you can disable it completely, but hardly anyone outside of musicians and engineers does that. So you have this slightly crazy situation where the people who care most about this stuff are paying attention to something that most people don't pay any attention to. I mean, I'm curious, John, do you talk to your clients about this kind of thing? And what kind of reaction do you get? Because I am often get people saying, "But that," I always turn that off. Everybody turns that off, don't they?
1: I haven't been doing a lot of mastering recently, so I can't really talk about that but um it is interesting because you would think that the engineers are the the people that would want that more like normalization is a good thing for me and I, d- I don't understand why they would turn it off <laughs> in a way because it's like <laughs> listening to it with the way that it was intended it you, I think you still are because it's not compressed like it's it's not adding compression to it it's mm-hmm. just giving you headroom. And that's it. You, you have more range of volume adjustment by using the normalization and it's less distracting going from one album to the next. And maybe engineers are more likely to listen to albums fully while everyone else is listening on shuffle. I don't know. It's a little odd. I I do think that talking about this, the, the news every time the the stuff changes between Apple and Spotify and elsewhere, that brings a lot of awareness to the topic. Uh, It allows us to clear up a lot of misinformation about the topic. Yeah, it's going to get more people checking in their preferences, turning on soundcheck, and understanding what the setting even does. I think it's a great thing.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I agree completely. I, I guess I also understand, though, why some people might be hesitant about it, because, I mean, you know... Uh, you're absolutely right. And one of the most important things, I think, about this new announcement from Apple is that it means that there's much more consistency across the platforms. So back in the day, you had Soundcheck on Apple that did something different to anybody else. Spotify were using this thing called Replay Gain that was different. YouTube had their own system and then switched to using LUFS, Loudness Units Full Scale, this uh, the new Loudness Measurement System. And they all use different reference levels. Now they're all using... LUFS, which it's not perfect, but I think it is better than any of the alternatives for matching loudness. And they're almost all using the same distribution loudness level. So they're turning the loud stuff down to minus 14 LUFS across most of the platforms. Apple is actually an exception to that. Their distribution loudness is still at minus 16 LUFS, which is uh, where they always used to have it. But yeah, one of the most important things about this, I think, is that it gets much easier to predict what was happening. Now, of course, when that wasn't the case, it was a bit of a a minefield. Even if you understood what normalization was and that it was going to happen with your music, it could be hard to figure out exactly what would happen on each different platform and which system was going to be active and whether the results were going to be different from platform to platform. Um, And there are still, you know, some areas where normalization in general stands to be improved. Um, The AES made some recommendations in a a technical paper, TD-1008, a set of recommendations for streaming services on the best way to implement normalization. And some of the streaming services are following some of those recommendations and some of them are following others. Going back even further that, back in the day when normalization used to make just making the peaks all at the same level, Mm -hmm. where you would end up with that situation you described where everything was at, actually sounded different loudnesses. Right. So it didn't really work very effectively at all. You
1: could get quiet acoustic intros louder than the full-on rock songs because of the the peak normalization. It often doesn't work.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, so I think people have those kind of bad experiences and they remember them, yeah. you know, and it, it just kind of turns them off the whole idea. So I guess that's where the, the reluctance comes from. And I think also there's, there's a, a control thing. You know, people spend, you know... We all put a huge amount of energy and and passion into making the music sound as best we possibly can, including how loud it's mastered um and then for the idea that somebody then comes along afterwards and or even worse, an algorithm comes along and starts changing those decisions. So I understand that in theory. I think maybe what people are missing is that in practice, it's pretty good, you know it does a pretty good job. it's pretty effective. and I, I agree with you overall, um it's a good thing. So one thing I was just going to mention before we move on is, um, you know, I mentioned that 80 or 90% figure, and people, when I say that, are sceptical about it. There's a reason that I say that, which I think is quite interesting that I wanted to mention here in the show, which is something like 60%, as far as I can make out from the numbers of people listening to music online, are doing it on YouTube. And that's not YouTube music where actually there, there isn't any normalisation currently, they're watching music videos and therefore listening to music on the YouTube video platform, and as I mentioned earlier, that's a place where normalisation is enabled and you you can't turn it off. So that's a huge amount. I mean, it's it's you know depending on which numbers you look at, there's maybe four hundred and fifty or six hundred and fifty million users of all of the dedicated music streaming services, but there's two billion. People using YouTube specifically for listening to music. That's not even the total number of users on YouTube. That's just the people listening to music, um, which is 2000 million, you know? So it completely swamps the numbers. And it is hard to get exact figures for these. So there's going to be some error in that. But when you start off from such a huge proportion of people just listening in, with things normalized and then you look at all the other streaming services and you go well at least 50% of them getting up maybe with apple to 75% of them now have normalization enabled by default it's much more likely that loud music is going to be turned down when people listen online almost anywhere these days um so yeah i think i think i wanted to mention that because i I hadn't realized until i started doing the research exactly how huge that number was for youtube you know uh 2,000 million users um, listening to music there is is a pretty impressive uh, number. And I think that number is is somewhat out of date at this point.
1: That's really interesting. I didn't even realize that the YouTube music uh, service didn't normalize because I listened to only that and, yeah,
0: <laughs> haven't had an issue. Uh, I don't know. Weird. We're past the, the peak of the loudness wars. You know, yeah. back in whatever it was, kind of, I guess 2008 maybe, 2010, there was a lot of stuff being mastered super, super loud. And there's still some these days, but I think in general the levels have eased back somewhere. And I think maybe there's it, there's probably less genuinely dynamic stuff being mastered at the moment. So I think in general there's a bit more consistency overall. But, I mean, it is interesting because another you know objection that people bring up is, oh, but... M- uh, SoundCloud is a really important platform for me, or Beatport is a really important platform. Um, and I ran the the top, whatever it was, 50 or 100 tunes playlist on uh, SoundCloud the other day and just measured the loudness. And there was a ton of variety, but there wasn't anything ridiculously loud. And actually, most of it sounded fine um, listening that way. So I th- yeah, in some ways, I think maybe this is, It's a bigger issue in people's heads. Again, I think it's this hyper-focus of artists and engineers. You know, we listen critically in studios to something that we've been working on for months. And then when you compare it with something else, it feels to us like a difference of a dB or 2 dB is, is the end of the world. And actually, listeners out there, you know, they don't care. If they like your music... They don't mind if it's a little bit quieter or a little bit louder than what came before it. Yeah. Um, you know, dramatic differences in loudness, obviously. That's something you need to avoid. I think the industry is, is kind of obsessed with this whole topic in a way that probably doesn't reflect the, the reality in terms of normal people listening to music that in the way that we maybe we think it does.
1: And that's interesting with the top, the top 50 on SoundCloud. I guess a lot of those artists are trying to kind of match the loudness of other artists on that list, that sort of thing or, or they all have similar influences who are, you know, mastered to a certain LUFS and, and then they all end up kind of being around the same. Um, that makes me think of a lot of people trying to master to this minus 14 LUFS target, like it's a game or, <laughs> you know, trying to get all the meters to be the same They're missing the point of distribution loudness normalization entirely. You're still seeing that happen, right?
0: I still see people every day kind of saying, you know, I mastered my music to minus 14 and it doesn't sound the way I expected. Why is that? So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll come back to that point at the end because I want to kind of wrap this up by sort of suggesting things that, you know, okay, we're talking about all this stuff. So what, you know, um, what action do we have to take? What are the best practices? So we can, we can come back to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it is interesting about SoundCloud. uh, And I mean, what I would say is there was, it wasn't that everything was the same loudness. There was still a ton of variety and there was plenty of stuff there that I was surprised as to how quiet actually it was mastered. There was quite a bit of stuff down at minus 12, lufs minus 10 lufs which you know if you if you read facebook or the the internet forums you know people would have you believe that's that's instant kind of disaster for your music right but that clearly can't be the case because this music is still making it into the top 20 stuff on the soundcloud platform
1: it's the minus four stuff that we
0: want to avoid yeah it's it's the minus four stuff that we want to avoid and there wasn't any of that i didn't hear that um so you know, maybe it's there and it's just much less popular. Um, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But it, it it did surprise me. You know, I kind of went over there. You know, bracing myself to to hear kind of loudness chaos, and that wasn't really the impression that I came away with. I think it's quite interesting why Apple have finally made this move to LEOFS and have decided to enable normalization by default. Because you know, this is something that we've been saying on the show is inevitable for years. You know, it's. Everybody would always ask, and we say, no, Apple are not normalizing by default, and they're not using LEOFS yet, but it's it's bound to happen, and now it has. Um, Lots of people have been asking them to do it for a long time, and honestly, there's been a lot of resistance. But interestingly, it seems to be the move to supporting Dolby Atmos through Apple Spatial Audio um, that has actually triggered this. We've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast, so anybody who's interested you know, for more detail, can head back and take a listen to those. Again, we'll put some links in the show notes at the masteringshow.com. But in a nutshell, Dolby Atmos actually, Dolby recommend that you don't master any louder than minus 18 LUFS for technical reasons to do with the formats, the ability to deliver something that works on multi-speaker playback systems and right down to binaural rendering in earbuds, obviously is at least 10 dB quieter than a lot of mainstream music is currently being released at at the moment if you don't have soundcheck enabled in apple music and you want to switch between atmos and stereo or listen to a mixture of atmos binaural and stereo mixes you're going to be hearing huge differences in loudness you know 10 db is a big deal um, and could be Extremely upsetting if you're listening to something that's mastered at minus 18 and then it switches to minus 10. Um, So it seems that, you know, Apple have just realised that in order to prevent complaints, they really need to start moving people across to using Soundcheck by default. Um, So it it is just interesting that that's an influence that this whole Dolby Atmos situation is having. And as I mentioned, I think I've talked about this on the show before, I think this is a fantastic opportunity for people to hear music with more dynamics and to realise the benefits that that can give. You know, if you if you go from something that was mastered in stereo at minus 6 LUFS and then go to something in a similar genre that actually was mastered at minus 18 and had all that extra headroom to use, but they are at a similar loudness level because of normalisation, because of sound check, you're going to really notice those benefits. And my hope is that more and more people will start to fall in love with that um, and decide to do something different with their stereo mixes as well. We'll see whether that... Proves to be the case.
1: So it seems like this is a really good thing, but I don't think this applies to all users, right? What 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 are the complications with this change?
0: Right. Well, so I mean, we already mentioned that it's if you previously had SoundCheck, this normalization system turned off in Apple Music, it's not going to switch itself on automatically. I mean, I guess that might change in future as well, but right now, if you had it switched off before, it's still switched off. So it only applies to new devices. So the number of people who are having that enabled just by default is going to increase slowly over time, but it's not a huge change immediately. So that's one thing to be aware of. I think the other one that people need to know about is, I mentioned that this is enabled by default on new devices and with new installs of the software. In my testing, it's not working retrospectively. So my Mac is still running Mojave so that I can use all my um, older software software that i love and don't want to give up on yet um and itunes which is still installed there will still use the old apple soundcheck values which is not necessarily a huge deal often those values are very similar to the results you would get with lufs but in some cases can be quite different um and might give you some surprising results. So that's something to be aware of. And for that reason, on the loudness penalty site and plugin, we're still currently showing the Apple legacy sound check values, the older values, so that you can compare those and make sure you're not getting any unexpected surprises.
1: I just checked on my Mac Studio and sound check is enabled by default. So.
0: Oh, interesting. Right. Because you've just got a, a new Mac Studio. Is that right?
1: Yep. It's what's well, over a month old now, but
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's still quite new. My Mac Pro is 10 years old at right. this point.
1: <laughs> but I think I got the Mac before this change.
0: I mean, a, m- a month ago sounds right. I mean, when did I? I wrote about it for Meter Plugs uh, the end of March. We're now towards the end of May. So that's a couple of months ago. And Apple made the change without telling anybody. It's right. You're not going to find a, a news announcement on the Apple website about this. Um, this is something that they were quietly making people aware of and that people were noticing themselves by testing. Um, so, And it seems to have been rolled out gradually. So um, I think there was a transition period where some people were buying new machines and finding it wasn't yet enabled for them. Right now, everybody I've spoken to who has bought a machine recently has found that it is enabled. So, yeah, it's it was definitely a, a soft launch, if you like, um, and I'm not exactly sure how far back that
1: goes. Can you remind me if this the Soundcheck feature works with a mix of the streaming and local files?
0: Soundcheck is a global setting, so it should work regardless of what you're listening to. There was... I think it was the Spotify app, wasn't it, that didn't do that? Oh, uh, I see what you mean. Yes, Spotify, I think, still has an option in the preferences where you can, if you have a file in your music library already, um, it will play the file from there so as not to stream it and download it. And because the, those files don't have the information in that Spotify needs to do the loudness normalisation, you could get music that was being played from your hard drive playing back without normalization, which usually meant quite a bit louder than other stuff. Um, but with iTunes, that has always worked. Okay. Um, and with Apple Music, it should also work. Uh, I was going to say there was at one point a known issue, which is a polite code name for a bug, <laughs> um, which meant that it wasn't working for files that had been purchased and downloaded, I think. But that was certainly... Apple were working on a fix for that, and if it hasn't already been rolled out, then it will be soon. So you should find this works pretty consistently, regardless of of where the music is. Um, to the best of my knowledge, anything
1: else broken, <laughs> or anything else to to think about with this stuff?
0: I've noticed a few quirks. I have to say, another thing to be for people to be aware of is that Apple Music has album normalization, which you mentioned, where. If you're listening to an album, it doesn't make all the songs a similar loudness on the album. It keeps the different relationships and loudness between them as intended by the artist, which is a good thing. Um, and it figures out whether you're playing an album or not. But if you're in shuffle mode um, or listening to a playlist, then it will use track normalization, which means that it will make all the songs of similar levels. So if you mix some gentle acoustic stuff with some uh, a really aggressive, heavy genre, the acoustic Stuff may actually sound a little bit loud, musically speaking, because it's been turned up and the the loud stuff has been turned down.
1: Oh, that's a, that's, that's actually not ideal. A good point because we actually haven't mentioned that most systems only turn down. Like YouTube only turns down. Spotify turns down. There used to be a limiter that changed,
0: but well, Spotify also actually still turn up. Okay. Um, if in shuffle mode, Spotify also has an album mode, but you're absolutely right. Tidal and YouTube only turn things down. And, you know, since we brought it up, it's one of the reasons things can sometimes sound a bit confusing on YouTube, because if somebody uploads something super quiet, it's not going to be lifted up. So even if you've been listening to things where the louder stuff has been turned down, you could still have a big loudness difference. And that's to do with the way people have uploaded it. But yeah, iTunes and Spotify, when you're listening in playlist and in shuffle will turn up quieter Music, which as i say is not the the aes recommendation um the td 1008 recommendation which will include a link to if people are interested again in the show notes recommends that you can use album normalization all the time and actually that works even better listening in even in shuffle and playlists so you t- find the loudest song on an album and that determines how much the whole album is going to be turned down but then quieter songs in the album will still sound quieter. And that's the system that Tidal have been using for years now um, with great success. So that's something to be aware of. What it means is that sometimes you will have a song where either Spotify or Apple Music want to turn it up, and if they did, that would push the peak levels above zero and cause clipping. As you say, Spotify used to have a limiter, which they now don't use unless the user chooses the loud setting in the preferences, which is not many people. Um, Basically, Spotify and Apple Music now do the same thing, which is they will turn quiet songs up, but only so as not to cause clipping. Um, And what I was going to say was that there were some quirks with that on Apple Music in the past. And I've come across a few cases where I think there are still some, some quirks with the new implementation but that is something that they're aware of and looking to fix and it applies to fewer and fewer songs over time so I don't think it's a big deal. Um, One other detail that people might be interested in is that again the AES recommend that if you're doing album normalization you should use the loudest song as the reference point and turn that one down to the distribution loudness and then scale all the others relatively to, to keep the relationship between the songs the same. Apple Music and Spotify both use overall values for the album normalization rather than using the loudest song. So that means there could be situations where the loudest song on an album actually plays louder than the distribution loudness, assuming it's not going to cause clipping. So I'm mentioning that, but it really, I think that's a fairly technical distinction. I think in practice, it's not likely to cause huge differences, but it, it probably is worth mentioning. Yeah. Other than that, I think (laughs) it's all good. I mean, that's that's you know, there's there's a long little list there, but we're basically saying older Macs, older phones are going to use the old values, so it's not going to be any worse than it ever used to be. But you might get some unpredictable results. There are a few quirks that um, you know, it's it's a big change to the way that Apple are doing things that they've implemented pretty quickly, um, along with the adding in of Uh, Dolby Atmos spatial audio so they are ironing out a few quirks there and yeah there are some subtleties in the way that album and track mode work between the the different services that it's worth being aware of but again you're talking about a db or two here and there probably for the majority of songs I don't think people are going to hear any kind of dramatic problems
1: because of that if you're listening to the music you shouldn't hear that volume difference (laughs) I would think
0: yeah, absolutely. I think th- this is, and this is the thing that you know the, all the testing shows is that you know people don't pay nearly as much attention to to relatively small differences like those than we think they do.
1: Right. If you're if you're constantly A B comparing Spotify versus iTunes, Apple Music, yeah, you're going to hear some differences once in a while. But it's like that's not listening to music.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so. Uh, we wanted to keep this concise and i'm not sure we've achieved that but we we have covered the topic and hopefully people have found that interesting and i mentioned that the final question i wanted to address was okay so what you know all of this being true what do i have to do and basically you know the answer is keep calm and carry on this is an improvement to the way that normalization works on apple it brings it more in line with what all the other streaming services are doing. They have a slightly different distribution loudness using minus 16 of minus, instead of minus 14. But un, unless somebody is constantly flicking back between Apple Music and some other service, as you mentioned, it, it's unlikely to, that anybody will even notice.
1: And and yeah, just all these different services have volume sliders. Difference would only be heard if the, the volume slider is at maximum. And you're listening to both of them at maximum, not... If you're listening at whatever, you can always adjust the volume for your headphones for your room, and and they will be the same volume, right?
0: Or is, or is that crazy? Yeah. Or am
1: I missing something? No, <laughs> no, like, that's
0: that's what we've been saying all along.
1: <laughs> right. It's the the two dB difference between the different platforms doesn't matter if you're already setting the volume for your ears.
0: No, absolutely. And I mean, in my experience, most people have a favorite service that they use, right? So they're not going to be, you know, people like us might flick between two different platforms to compare the quality or think about this kind of stuff, but nobody else does. Right.
1: You need to do that for the research for loudness penalty. I don't need to think of that at all.
0: No, that's that's Right. And that is something that I recommend people do, which is to do the research. I'll come on to that in a second. But before I do, I want to kind of circle back to the point you made earlier, which is one thing people definitely shouldn't do because of all of this, is to master their music at minus 14 LUFS or at any other specific integrated loudness number. Um, you know, it it's unlikely to get you the results that you want. It's unlikely to sound musical. I mean... You, as we just said why would you want an acoustic ballad to be the same loudness as a heavy rock tune and if you've got an indie or a prog album that you could well have mixtures of that kind of content you know you the whole point there is you want contrast you want variety so don't think that you need to aim for any of these numbers because the streaming services are using them the the numbers are just literally the the, the distribution loudness they're what the streaming services will adjust the music to if something is way louder to avoid annoying their users and they will do the best job that they can of that and we a we don't have any control over it and b we don't really need to worry about it we don't need to go into that in any more detail but if anybody's interested there was a specific episode talking about this in more detail which again we can put in the show notes for people but one thing that it is good to do is to be aware that all of this stuff is happening and to test your music to make sure that you're happy when it's in play so you know, we always recommend you should master your music to make it sound the best that it can, and so that you're happy with it musically, whatever that means in terms of the loudness numbers. But once you've finished that process of just listening to the music as it is, I think it's also worth testing, previewing how it's going to sound when it's played back, when it's turned down to a similar loudness to everything else. So, let's say minus 14 is the number you choose. For Apple, it's minus 16, but it doesn't really matter. It could be any number. If you're listening to your music on Spotify or Apple Music with track normalisation in play, where all the songs are being played at a similar loudness, and in particular, the louder stuff is being turned down to the distribution loudness, does it still sound good to you when you do that? Yeah, it sounded awesome when you were listening through to the album on a cd or from a usb in the car or you know on your phone or whatever it was that's great that's the goal does it also work in comparison to your favorite reference material when you play it back at minus 14 and it's easy to do that you could either there's a ton of different loudness meters out there these days that you can use to measure the loudness of a song and adjust the reference levels or you could just use the loudness penalty website which It doesn't upload the music, you just drag the file on. It does all the calculations in the browser on your computer and it allows you to preview your music at the correct distribution loudness for Spotify or YouTube or Tidal or wherever it might be. And you can even have multiple tabs open in the browser and compare multiple tracks and then you can compare it with the actual streaming service that you're listening to music on, if you would like. Make sure the volume slider there is at at full. And if what you're listening to still sounds great to you, then it's all good. You know, it doesn't matter how loud it is, how much it might have been turned down. If it sounds good, then it's great. But if the testing process kind of reveals, huh, actually that intro doesn't have quite the impact that I expected it to, or, you know, suddenly it doesn't sound like there's enough contrast between the verse and the chorus in my tune in comparison to my favorite reference track or whatever it might be then that's that's useful information to have right knowledge is power that you know in advance it's not that you upload your music and suddenly it doesn't sound the way you expect it to when it's being normalized on one of these streaming platforms you can test it in advance and you can take steps to fix it whatever those steps might be is that something you do, John? out of interest or do you just master so that it sounds good and kind of feel confident that it's gonna work?
1: I've done both more often I master it to what I think sounds best and then I might actually hit the the dim button on my monitor controller to hear it at a lower level but not not too often normalizing it rendering it out normalizing it and comparing uh level matched well th- though I have yeah I don't know. I've I've done all of that stuff, I guess, but I don't have a, a particular. Yeah. I, I don't do it enough to to really have a routine for that or or a system.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of similar. It's it's at the point these days where I know, based on the kind of the usual loudness that I master music has and past experience, I don't have to use the loudness penalty site to understand how things are going to work online. I still do from time to time out of curiosity, and particularly if the client. I, I get people coming to me saying, you know, oh, I had this master done and it doesn't sound the way I wanted it to on Spotify. Is there something you can do to improve it? And very often the answer is yes. And in that situation, of course, I'm going to be yeah. testing that. And I, I do think, you know, for for those of us doing work for clients in this day and age, given that something, somewhere between 70 and 90% of the music people hear is going to be normalised, it, it's crazy not to do the testing at least some of the time so that you understand how it affects what you're working on. You know, it, I'd, I'd almost go so far as to say it's irresponsible to, to not understand and to, yeah, be aware of what those effects are going to be. But once you've understood it and kind of figured out how your mastering practices work with that, then you can move on and feel confident, you know, that most of the time everything's going to be fine. And it's just the occasional check is is worthwhile. The
1: main thing is when you're going for loudness with a master, when you listen quietly, like with a dim button or you, you normalize it and AB and compare it, it's like, oh, it sounds squished now that it's it's not loud in the room. And so that's usually what I I am adjusting for in that situation. So you can kind of get used to it when you're you put on the limiter and you you start mixing into that or, or you're mastering for loudness and you kind of get used to that or desensitized to it. And when you switch to a lower level, the lack of dynamics or the over compression, you start to hear it a lot more.
0: Yeah, exactly. And in fact, I mean, that's another popular, or I don't know about popular, it's another misconception. Um, you know, people misunderstand. They think, because of course, you know, there, there are two types of compression, confusingly. There is dynamic compression, which is what we've we been talking about in this episode and what you were talking about just there. And then there is data compression or data encoding, where, you know, you have the the, the lossy streaming codecs that are used to um to keep the bandwidth down when we're streaming this stuff on on phones and mobile devices and things data compression lossy data encoding doesn't i mean it shouldn't and barely affects the dynamics at all in terms of the you know the the, the musical dynamics of the music the peak to loudness ratio that the contrast between the verse and the chorus all that stuff you know it it messes with the sound in fairly subtle ways depending on how low the data rate is, but it doesn't really affect the dynamics. But lots of people think that it does. They hear that compression is being used, meaning data compression, and they think it means dynamic compression, and then they upload their music and they hear it playing back, and they suddenly think, oh, I can hear their compressor and their limiter working. And actually, they can't. What they can hear is the the compression and limiting they used themselves when they mastered it, but when it's been normalized, and like you say, the loudness differences have been evened out, suddenly you hear that stuff much more clearly. So that's why it's such a valuable test to do.
1: Yeah, I corrected someone probably last week on on the compression thing. Yeah. It comes up a lot.
0: It comes up a lot. And so does the whole should I be mastering to minus fourteen thing? You know, it's I mean, I, th- I think the word is getting out. I remember a few years ago, it felt like I was always answering questions and trying to help explain this to people and and now what's nice is that i see other people <laughs> helping each other and explaining this stuff um to each other and i think you know that's a positive kind of snowball effect that we're going to have over time uh, like you say the more this stuff comes up the more people talk about it the more understanding there is the more things improve
1: i thought we had wrapped up the episode about 10 minutes ago <laughs> so
0: uh <laughs> yeah well as, uh, I'm sorry, but now let's wrap it up. Um, We'll come back to the point that you made before, which is, you know, this is good news. More consistency, more predictability, more freedom. For those who want to master with dynamics, you can, because your music is not going to be kind of blown away by something else that was mastered super loud, because... You're going to have consistent loudness so you're free to do that if you would choose if you want to master super loud you're free to do that as well but we recommend you do the tests to make sure you you're happy with the way that it sounds afterwards and if you want to try this stuff for yourself then we have updated the loudness penalty website to reflect the new values and system being used by apple as i mentioned it actually shows the, the new LUFS figures and also the old legacy version, so you can double check that subtlety as well, and of course preview all the different platforms if you want to compare. So that's there if you would like to do it, but if you prefer, you can do it yourself using <laughs> I'm going to say a good old-fashioned loudness meter because they they've been around for long enough now that they, we can call them old-fashioned. Um, but uh, yeah, overall this is good news, and uh, hopefully there's been some stuff in there that uh, helps you figure your way through this yourself and get better results mastering your own music so john thank you for um helping me out with this episode and for mixing it as always
1: yeah my pleasure good talk
0: yeah absolutely thanks to everybody listening if you're a regular for putting up with this topic one more time (laughs) but i do think uh it's important to keep you guys in the loop about this because it does have such a huge effect on the way that we hear the music the way that people hear the stuff that we work on thanks to kaylee law for letting us use his music and thanks for listening